God, we worship you in this place. Be high and lifted up. Jesus, we just ask that you have your way. Holy Spirit, we invite you in our lives to just take control. Oh, we bless your name. Come we sing, I want to scream. I want to scream it from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no Your goodness. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. Come on, help me sing and I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good and I'm Because you are good, you are good to me. Good to me. Come on, clap your hands in the house of the Lord. Sing out to you. Yes, you're good. Let me sing. I want to scream. I want to scream from every mountain. Your goodness. Your goodness. Your love amazes me. Sing it out and down. Sing. I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because shout you are good. You are good to me, to me. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Nothing and no one. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and oceans only reflect this truth. And in my darkness tonight, you shine as bright as day. Your love amazes me. Help me sing and I'll sing. Sing because you are. You are good, and I shout because you are good. Yes, you are good to me, to me, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. You are good. Just the drums and voices sing, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because. You are we good. You, you are, are good to me. To and I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good. One more time. And I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Oh, and I'll sing and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. Oh, to me. Come on, bless the Bless the name of the Lord in this place. Come on. 
Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We came here to a church. Look to your neighbor and say, wake up. <laughs> we do it in love. Come on. Guys, it's just an, an anointing of the Lord in this place. And, and I, maybe it's because it's overflowing from the first service. But I just want us to sing that song again. Amen. Is it okay for us to have fun in church? Amen. Yes. Oh, come on. So let's sing this out. So when we get to that part, we go, and I'll sing. Let's just say that. And I'll sing. Just project your voice. Use it here. Project. And I'll dance. If you just, just side to side, that's all we got. That's all you got. That's all you got. Amen. And I'll sh get to the show. Just shout it out. All right, all right, all right. Y'all, you guys ready? Are you guys ready? That's more like it. Put them top. One, two, three. Oh, we worship you, God. Help me sing. I want to scream it out. I want to scream every voice from every mountain. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my Your love. Your love amazes Here we go, get ready. And I'll sing, and I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good Sing nothing me. and no one. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to The earth and oceans. The earth and oceans deep. Only reflect is true. And in my darkest you shine. Night, you shine. You are good to me, to me, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good. Oh, just the drums and voices. Here we go, church. Here we go. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me, and I'll sing because. You are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good. Whoa, one more time, you and I'll sing, and I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good. You are good. One more time, sing, I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because. You are good, and I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me, to me. Go just bless the Lord. Woo. Oh, Jesus, is so much fun. Woo. God is alive. God is alive and he's in this place. Father, we worship you. Come on, just lift up a shout. 
about your, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love. Because on and on it goes. Because on and on and on and on it goes. it overwhelms. And it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I'll never, never, ever have to be afraid. It's one thing we miss. Because on and on, because on and on. God, I want to participate. I want to feel what we're singing about. I want to feel your love. Fill me up today. Come on, just ask God to fill you up today. Fill me with your love, Jesus. Oh, Father, let your blood cover my life. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Jesus. Let it overflow. Let it overflow in my life. Come on, tell them today, let it overflow, Jesus. Let it overflow in my life. Let me feel you now. I need you now, Jesus. I'm desperate for you now. Oh, it's your love. Oh, I'm singing your love. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love.
there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Oh, come on, let's sing that again. In death, in death, in life, every voice, confident and covered by the power of your great love. Sing my death, my death is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. And your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me, your love. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out.
we're just going to let the Holy Spirit move right now. If you're just feeling a word from the Holy Ghost for the body, just go ahead and just speak it out. I have come so that you can have freedom. Your sin, your pride, your bitterness, your anger, it has no control over you anymore because I took it on the cross. I came so that you could be free. Don't live like you are not free. You are free. you God is seeing you in this place and he's letting you know there's freedom there's freedom and repentance if you repent from your sin if you repent if you turn around it's not by just us saying you're forgiven you have to repent let's respond to that today father we receive freedom all over this place come on just start praying you may know you might be standing next to the person that may be needing you just say God release freedom release freedom in your house today Oh, Father, you said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, God. We declare it today. We declare it today, Father, God, to walk in boldness, to walk in the authority, to walk into the anointing. Come on, is there anyone else with the word? Satisfy, oh God. Mm. Well, there may be people here today that Jesus doesn't satisfy you. And you look to the bills and you say, Well, bills got to get paid. Jesus is not satisfying me right now because I need to pay these bills. Or you may look to your family, everything's falling apart. Jesus is not satisfying right now because I have to go do this and I have to do this. and focus all your attention if you make Jesus the love of your soul if you place him first before your situations before your problems, before things in life there's a satisfaction there's a purpose in that he gives us our purpose, let's respond to that word come on, I'm just going to ask just not just because I'm doing but just because your heart just, if you could fall to your knees just tell Jesus in your own words, Jesus, you're all we need. Jesus, you satisfy. God, I don't want to look to the cross and say it's not enough. You're all that we need, God. I don't find life, I don't find pleasure in anything else but you. Jesus, teach me how to be satisfied in you. Teach me how to be satisfied with what you say. Lead me by your spirit. Oh, let me 
accept you, Lord. Sell them today. Oh, you satisfy, Lord. Satisfy. Because it's your love. It's your love, Lord. Oh, He didn't have to give us his Holy Spirit, but because he loved us and sent down power, because he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Come on, just thank the Lord. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you that you meet us in these times of worship. 
that God, I'm not alone. That God, I'm not alone. That you're on my side. That God, you walk with me. We thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, thank you, church. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Would you do me a favor and just grab somebody's hand? We're just going to pray as a family, as the body of Christ today. Oh, Lord, your love will never give up on us. Come on, we're just going to pray right now for God to move. If you could just pray for your neighbor, God bless them. And if you can pray more than that, that's awesome. Otherwise, we're just going to pray for each other today. It's a special day, a memorial day in our country. So we're just going to pray for God's blessing and safety on our friends and family. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person here. Bless our neighbor's home, their family. Be with them. Protect them, God. Keep your hand of, of blessing over them, Lord. Bless our children, God. God, be with our country, our soldiers today, God, who are still protecting our freedom. Lord, we pray that everybody will come to know you, Jesus. Would you just pray that the person's hand you're holding will know God? that their whole family will know the Lord. We believe in Jesus here. God, would you just spread your love through this family here today, through Metro Praise, that each one of us can be bright lights shining for you, God, sharing your love wherever we go, changing this world. Bless every person here, God. Thank you for bringing them here today, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can you bless the Lord today, man? Can you slap somebody high five and tell them that you love them in Jesus' name? Come on, say, I love you in Jesus' name. we got to put Jesus' name. You may be seated there at the end in case somebody's single trying to hook up. Sister, are you single? Oh, hey. <laughs> got one right there. Well, I'm just so thankful that you guys are here. I guess there's somebody that normally sits in this section that's not here. Can I ask all of Stephanie's family to come fill in this section right here? Let's give it up for them as they come. Guys, you all know what, what day it is today. It's a very special day in American history. Uh, and I want to play a video for you just right now, even in the heart of worship and all that we have right now going on. I want to play this. And then we're going to pray for America today, our soldiers. We're going to pray for first responders. We're just going to be patriots today. In Jesus' name, is everybody okay with that? Amen. Do we got the video ready, my brother? Thank you. Shake. 
and it shook violently. Desks and cupboards and stuff all around us began to fall apart. A picture now of twisted steel and cable, jet fuel now making its way down onto our floor, fire breaking out all around us. The 28 of us in the office, all we could do was we hit the ground with our faces flat on the carpet. My thoughts on my wife, my wife Mary, who's now pregnant, four months pregnant with our son, and she works on the 71st floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. After a few minutes, someone from our floor gets up with these words, let's make our way toward the stairwell. So we began to fight our way to the fire, looking for the nearest stairwell. The jet fuel had come down the elevator shaft, and balls of fire were now shooting out that place. We fought our way to the fire, make our way onto that stairwell. Hundreds, thousands of people joining us onto that stairwell. One thing in common, the fear of death written on every face. No one had an idea what was going on in those buildings. My friends were trying to calm me down. I was really anxious about my wife. I'm trying to reach her through my phone. I'm borrowing the cell phones of all the people running down that stairwell with me, but cell phones would not work. It's 9 or 2 in the morning, and we're still running down that stairwell, only to be interrupted by another huge explosion. This is United Flight 175. I get to the 43rd or the 44th floor, and I see a side which I will never ever forget. Hundreds of firemen, policemen, racing their way up that tower. As we pass all those men, I wondered, why are they making their way up? We had seen fire on almost every floor. So we passed America's bravest and finest with these words, you guys are the real heroes. God be with you. As we continued our descent down, and these men were still making their way up. It took me more than an hour, an hour and 20 minutes or so, to come down 81 floors of the North Tower. I get to this level which is called the plaza, but now this place of life had been turned in this place of death. Hundreds of bodies of people lying now in the plaza. I get to this lowest level. Hundreds of firemen, policemen, security people, trying to get people out of the World Trade Center. And I'm wondering, what if my wife's been delayed to work? If that's her story, then she could be near her building looking for me. So I'm now walking to the South Tower thinking I might find my wife. And in a way, that's when my story really begins. confronted with the reality of my mortality and I'm saying God you gave me this opportunity to come down 81 floors but death has finally got a hold of me I look around and there's 15 20 people around me a voice speaking to my heart 
These people that are with you, Sujo, where are they going without me? This is New York City, a great melting pot of people that come from all over the world. They come here having embraced all kinds of religions and philosophies of life. And this boldness comes upon me to speak up for Jesus. I start crying out Jesus, and I ask those 15, 20 people to call upon the name of the Lord. Incredible thing happens. Not one try to argue with me, not one try to debate with me. But I could hear the cries of these 15 or 20 people to start calling upon the name of the Lord with me. We prayed for a few minutes. Hear the deafening noise of the building going down. I hope I live. I hope I live. It's coming down on me. Here it comes. We moved from that huddle, 15, 20 feet away from that group. I'm lying there with my face flat on the ground. And as I'm lying there, I'm saying, God, something big is going to hit me soon and I'm going to die. After about 15, 20 minutes, I realize that I'm still alive, which surprised me. I'm plastered with soot and ash, and glass has covered my body. I could barely breathe. I'm choking on the soot and the smoke and the ash that was all around us. I've never seen this like in my I decided to feel my way back to that place where I prayed with those people. It's only to realize that these 15 or 20 people that had prayed with me, they did not make it out alive. Their bodies were smashed and crushed. I said, God, they just called upon your name, and how come they did not make it? But I felt this peace from heaven. They made their peace with me in their dying moments, and they're resting with me in my presence. The Bible gives us the assurance that to be absent in the body is to be present with Jesus. I look around and there's someone alive around me. Reached out to him, he reached out to me. We started pulling each other. This turned out to be an FBI agent. I asked him this question, do you know Jesus? He said he did. And we now start praying this prayer. God, if it's your will, show us a way out of this place. We both knew time was really short. Both of us choking on the soot and the smoke. But as we continued praying, something so miraculous happened. I see a red light flashing through the soot and the smoke. So we now start following that light. That light eventually leads us onto the street level. And now this FBI agent, he let go of my hand with these words. You run ahead. I gotta go back and get more people. You got John in? Come with you. This man starts running into the North Tower. I continued my way out of ground zero. The ground begins to shake again. When I turn back, this is the North Tower collapsing. brave man died that day. God, why did you spare my life? The towers don't exist anymore. Dust, smoke, ash, balls of fire rising out of ground zero. As I'm sitting right in the middle of one of the streets of New York City, just dazed, confused, bitter, angry at God, angry at the circumstances I find myself and my family in. My cell phone rings for the very first time. I had spent a long time thinking my wife was dead. But now when I flip that phone, it's my wife's caller ID. And now I'm thinking, it could be someone else calling me with the news that your wife is dead. With a lot of fear, I picked up that call. But when I said hello, I could now hear my wife on the other side. Her life was spared. We finally meet each other. It would be just the most amazing moment. I had given up hope about her. She had given up hope about me. As we find each other in each other's arms, she tells me her story. 
She gets in late to work, gets off her train. She's near her building. She sees a second plane crashing into her tower. Hundreds of people jumping out of the building. My building up in flames. And she thought I could be one of those people jumping out of the building. But a girl comes out of nowhere, grabs my wife, takes her to a place of safety. God had miraculously spared our lives. I realized that night that America and our world had changed forever. Our sense of security that we had in this land had now been changed. I said, God, 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists, full of hatred for this nation, they came, died, and murdered 3,000 people today. They died for a cause that they believed in. But how come there are men and women so willing to blow themselves up for causes like these that come from the pits of hell? And in the light of that kind of devotion, how guilty am I of keeping the greatest cause known to mankind, the cause of Jesus Christ, the cause that can bring hope where there's no hope, the cause that can bring healing in a very broken and hurting world. How guilty am I of keeping this very cause to myself and watching a world die around me without Jesus? I quickly realized that this nation of America founded on nothing less and nothing more but the gospel of Jesus Christ was now in a great need of a move of God. I wondered, how would this country heal? Would this country come back together again? As days unfolded, it was incredible to watch what was going on in America. This country did come together. Churches were full of people. Weeknights, weekends, as church doors would open up to congregations, not only would church people find their way in, but unchurched neighbors, co-workers, would make their way into the church. People were looking for answers. My prayer on this anniversary is that America's pulpits would be ablaze all over again with the fire of the Holy Spirit. That we will once again preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ to America. That men and women, boys and girls, would call upon the name of the Lord and that it would be said of America again, this country truly is a beacon of hope for the world. We have an opportunity to turn back to God. This weekend, let us pledge our allegiance to God. Let us pledge that this country will return back to its godly foundation. Let us pledge that we will raise our sons and daughters in the fear of the Lord. Let us pledge that not only we would proclaim the gospel in America, but we will make the gospel seen in this nation that is in deep need of a move of God. America, let's return to Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me? I'm going to ask that the band would uh, come back up and burdle with the American flag. We're going to do what Sojo says. If Think about this. If this brother from India feels convicted, he got converted, by the way, in Calcutta from a missionary. If he is convicted about not preaching in America and he's from India, how much more should we feel convicted for not preaching the gospel and we are from this beautiful nation? Amen. So we're just going to begin to pray. Uh, Leilani, would you just play in the background? Father, we pray for this nation right now. God, we lift this country up to you. And we pray for salvation to come, God. We pray for repentance to come to this land, Father. 
And Lord, we declare this day as a memorial, God, for you and your cause. God, we turn to you during this time, Father. God, as we think about the survivors and those who lost family members, we pray for them to find you, Jesus. That, God, they will turn to you in this time, O Lord. Lord, we pray for our soldiers and for those who serve you, God, in the the way that the Bible says, by carrying a sword. We pray that our soldiers and our military and our policemen and our first responders will be righteous, Father God. Lord, let it not be uncommon, God, to see uh, these people praying and seeking you, chaplains, uh, teaching them your gospel, Lord. Let it be as it was when this nation was first founded, a, a group of Christians putting you first in all that they do. And God, we just repent for our wicked ways today. God, we've been humbled by this situation, and the churches were full, but Lord, in so many ways we've turned back, and we've gotten comfortable, and we don't go to church like we should, Father. And you warned us not to turn our backs on you in this this end times. In Jesus' name, turn our hearts towards you, God. Turn our hearts towards you. Now, if there's anybody here that served in our military, police, first responder, paramedic, would you come forward? If there's, I know there's a few military here. Caesar, would you come? A few others. Uh, Ish, I'm going to ask you to come and pray for him today. I know some of uh, the other ones were in the first service. Let's give it up for Caesar as he comes. Amen. Served our country. Would you just face the people standing next to the red, white, and blue? Brother, will you just pray for him, our military? And uh, you can stand on the stage and do that. But just pray for all of our armed forces. Some of you don't know this, but I lost my nephew in Afghanistan. I know what it's like to lose family members according to uh, by this war. Some of you have felt that. They have lost their friends out there. We need to pray for them today. Amen. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. The cost of our freedom from sin, the cost of our freedom from just the pits of hell wasn't free, Jesus. You laid down your life. You shed your blood so that we can be free. Lord God, in, in almost in, this, in, a, in some sort of manner, Lord God, men like Caesar laid down their lives. They sacrificed themselves for the ideals of a free country. Lord God, I pray that you strengthen them, Lord. These valiant men, these valiant women, these valiant young people, God. Lord God, that you be with them. That you be their comforter. That you be their peace. That you be their life, Lord. Lord God, and that we would honor them every chance we have. Lord, that we would thank men like Caesar serving our nation. Thank men like Ricky, police officers and firefighters, Lord, who sacrifice time away from their families so that we could be safe. Jesus, be with them. Be with them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll just stay standing. I'm just going to, to read for you today. God bless America. So many times we forget that, uh, you know, the people here try to, that's, the non-believer tries to take our Christian roots from us. But we as the Christian have grounded ourselves in uh, this nation. This nation was founded upon God. And let's not let them take that away from us. Amen. If you could just stop playing for a moment, I want you to hear uh, God bless America. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free.
Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, God bless America, my home sweet home. Would you just bless God today and, and just believe that he'll bless America? Would you just stretch forth your hands one more time and just say, God, I ask you to bless America today. Jesus, bless America, God. Have mercy on this land. And we pray for our enemies today. Lord, you said for us to pray for our enemies, those who despitefully use us. We pray for the Muslims right now. We call them forth in the name of Jesus. We break that demonic spirit over their life right now. That lying spirit from the pit of hell, we bind you over a billion people. We bind you off of their lives and break your power and loose them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you will send revival to the Muslims. I wish I had a band to play with me now. God, send revival to the Muslims. Send missionaries to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, to the Palestinians, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, Father God. All these nations, Lord, send your revival. Come on, just 30 seconds. Press through. Press through right now. Come on, come on. We pray for revival. Be with our churches even now, Lord. Send forth your missionaries, God. You can transform nations, God. You can transform nations. Hold back the tidal wave from this nation and Europe, oh God. Let your church rise up, Jesus. Let the church of Jesus Christ arise. Come on, just sing out Jesus. Put up the band for me, please. I can't hear them. I can't hear the band. I want to hear prayers. I want to hear worship, declaration unto God. Hallelujah. Come on, sing out His name, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, Jesus over the nations. We see the walls of communism falling down in China by the power of Jesus. We pray for the walls of Islam to fall down in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Ten more seconds. Come on, lift up your voices. Like Jericho, we call down these walls. Jesus. Oh, give the Lord a shout of victory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, slap your neighbor high five and say, Jesus, the hope of the nations. You may be seated in the house of God today. I'm going to go right into preaching, asking Leelani to stay up here. At Luke chapter 13 is today's message, a time for change. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13, a time for change. I'm in a spirit 
right now of just intensity because I believe God has a call for churches like ours to make the difference in those nations. This is a battle of ideology. It's not fighting a nation. We're not just going to war against a nation. We're going to war against ideologies that hate America and its freedom. And it's based upon Jesus Christ. And they hate Israel because Israel stands for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all of the future promises that are in the Bible are for Israel. Your home one day is going to be in Jerusalem, friends. So you better start praying for Israel right now because that's where you're going to live one day. But praise God, that's going to be after the battle of Armageddon. Over 300 million people will be slaughtered on that day. The horse, uh, the blood will be as high as a horse's head for over 160 miles. That's more from here to Milwaukee will be a river of blood. Read your Bible, my friends. Jesus is not coming back as Barney. He is coming back as a conquering king and his sword will be dipped in blood. We believe in an eternal hell and a lake fire. That is why before Armageddon comes, before judgment comes, we pray for people to call upon the name of Jesus. Jesus loves every nation, tribe, tongue, and language. God loves them all. God loves Saudi Arabia. God loves uh, the, the Taliban. The Al-Qaeda. God loves them. But until they repent, God's judgment is against them. And if they do not repent, he will judge them on this earth. Now you might say, Pastor, why are we taking this turn? Because I'm preaching like Jesus today. Amen? Not that idol of Jesus that the American culture and Pentecostal pimping pastors have sold to you for $5.99 at bookstores and called it Jesus. See, people like to make Jesus an idol and then worship that and say, my Jesus would never send anybody to hell. My Jesus wouldn't say repent. And you're right, your Jesus wouldn't because your Jesus is a figment of your imagination. He's an idol you made. Our Jesus will come back and judge the world. The Jesus of this Bible is a God of judgment and wrath but he's also a God of promise and salvation that's why you need to hear this message amen so look at Luke chapter 13 we're going to honor Sojo's words and men like him who teach us that we should preach repentance and turning back to God on times like this and you'll see today that Jesus everybody say Jesus come on make it two syllables Jesus one more time Jesus Jesus, Jesus, (laughs) a little chant for Jesus. Luke 13, verse 1. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Verse 2, Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all those other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Do you know that Jesus came up with that phrase, repent or perish? That's not a bad phrase. That's a good phrase, my friend. Let's all say it together. One, two, three. Repent or perish. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, repent or perish. Welcome to Metro Praise. Amen. To St. Your Grandma's Church, unless they preach like this, okay? i got to qualify. Some people go, well, you just don't know, funny. They used to preach like that at my church, so we can't say this ain't your grandmama's church because maybe it is. But if you came from a church that doesn't preach repentance, we preach it here. I want you to learn from this story. Number one, you see that there were tragedies that happened in Bible times. 
Listen to the story. Somebody came up to Jesus and said, did you hear about these Galileans who were sacrificed by Pilate? Let me tell you the story. People rebelled against the Roman government. Israel was occupied by Roman soldiers. These Roman soldiers were tyrants. They could confiscate your land. When they took over the country that you lived in, they could take your land, take your wives, take your homes. These men were wicked tyrants. These Roman soldiers took over Israel this way, but some of the Jews began to fight back. They began to have a revolution. Under Pilate's reign, they were caught. Pilate then took them to his temple, beheaded them, poured out their blood on his altar, and gave them as a sacrifice to his pagan god. Sounds kind of similar to what Islam does, beheading to their pagan god. Are you all listening to me? Islam is paganism. It's 100% pagan. I don't have time to get into it. There's a book in the back. You can get it for free online or you purchase it here today. But it's paganism. Can you all say Amen. That's the first thing that you see is that these people suffered to death by pagans. Now, Jesus doesn't take this opportunity to then have like this real like cuddly time with them. You know, like, oh, Dito, come lay your head on my chest. Let me tell you, I love you. Though that's okay, there's a time for that. Jesus actually takes this opportunity to tell us the second thing. He corrects bad understanding theology of the Jewish people, which was superstition. They thought only bad things happened to bad people. So if these guys were captured, beheaded, and had their blood poured out at a pagan altar, then they must have been bad people. That's why Jesus says, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered this way? And so many times we think this way in our own culture. Maybe you're getting into an argument with somebody, and as they have their cup of coffee, they drop it and spill it on themselves. And you're like, see, you shouldn't argue with me. And sometimes, you know, parents will say that to their kids. You know, they're getting an argument with their kids, and then their kids run up the stairs in an attitude and slip on the spear, boom, hit their head. And then the parent goes, see, you shouldn't argue. And so many times we think bad things happen to bad people. So, you know, it's just if you're sick, it's because you're bad. Or if because you lost your job, it's because you're bad. Or if you're going through a hard time, it's because you're bad. The Jewish people of that day thought that, thought this. So, so Jesus is saying, you guys are thinking that these people were, were killed and suffered because somehow they were bad. But he says, no, they're no more worse than anybody else. So whenever you think of tragedy, never think of it like, well, these people are bad, these people are good. You can be caught in an earthquake just like anybody else, a tsunami. Good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. It's a part of the, the, the way the world works. God didn't make it fair. Bad only happens to bad. Good only happens to good in what we would call fair. We live in a wicked world. Good people suffer many, many times, and, and evil people get a lot of breaks in life, okay? It happens all the time. So don't get this idea that God promised you in another way. He didn't promise you it that way. He promised you despite the troubles, the pains, and the trials, he would be with you. And there's a place called heaven and a time when he makes it all right. And I still believe in that. Amen. And then the third thing that he says is what's powerful. He says, well, let me tell you something. Unless you repent, you're going to perish. I mean, you can just understand. I mean, this had to blow their mind. I mean, the guy's running up to Jesus. Hey, did you just hear about these guys? They got caught in the revolt. They got beheaded. They, they've had their blood spilled out. And Jesus is like, yeah, don't think they're any worse than anybody else. And, and hey, listen, if you don't repent, you're going to perish too. Whoa, I was just telling you what happened. 
Yeah, but Jesus is taking the opportunity when bad things happen. He's saying, hey, there's going to be a real bad thing that happens one day. It's called my judgment. So let me get you ready for it. As you're thinking about this terrible tragedy, let me get you to think about this for a minute. If you don't repent, you will perish too. It's the message of Jesus. Amen. It's the message for 9-11. It's called repentance. Now let's look at the next verse. Look at this. A tower fell. Very similar to ours. You never, never saw this in the Bible. Look at verse 4. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Sounds like Jesus is pretty serious. Hello, somebody. Oh, we're praying for survivors. We're, we're one of the most patriotic churches you'll ever meet. We, we bless our guys on Memorial Day, 4th of July, praying for them. The day had a ton of them in the first service. Some of them are out even serving right now. But I will tell you what, even, them, even they will tell you, just being patriotic ain't going to get you to heaven. Just saluting the old red, white, and blue and crying when you see the names of our written fallen soldiers is not going to get you to heaven. And what Jesus was trying to have these people understand is when you feel tragedy and you feel things are not fair and your mind is set on the frailty of life and you are reminded of your mortality, you better turn to God and make sure you're right with him because there's coming a worse day. There's coming a judgment upon this earth. And the same God that said in John 3, 16, God's, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The same God that said that message that he loved you enough to die for you is the same God that says to you, it's his way or the highway. You repent or you perish. It's Jesus' words. And now in our day when our towers fall, we will look to this same message to repent. And to think about the severity of what's going to happen to this world. It's all temporary, my friends. You are not going to be here forever. And nothing you achieve in this life can give you eternal peace except Jesus Christ. And I love what Sojo said in the video while he was there. He said, let's call upon the name of Jesus. There wasn't a debate about spirituality of the buffet of religion. I'll take a little Buddha with some Krishna and Muhammad on the side. They knew to call on the name of Jesus. And that's who we need to be as our world is falling apart all around us. We need to be the voices crying out to our friends and to our neighbors. Call on the name of Jesus. The cross is the only ark that will save you. Call on Jesus. This area is on fire right here. Then Jesus gives us a parable. To make it even clearer, if you didn't get it twice, by Galileans being murdered, repent or perish, a tower falling in Siloam, repent or perish, now he gives you a parable. Somebody say a parable. I love Jesus. Amen. Aren't you happy I'm reading out the Bible today? Praise God. I'm just so glad we're reading out the Bible. Verse 6, then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it. But he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years, how many years? Thank you. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. No tree, uh, no fruit on the tree? Cut it down. And then the man uh, said, why should it use up the soil? 
Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Everybody say, cut it down. What do you see right here? Jesus is looking at your tree right now. Jesus is looking at your tree. And if he doesn't see you bearing good fruit, Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If he does not see the fruit of the Spirit coming in your life, he is saying, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to cut you down. You're not worth the soil you're planted in. But if there's somebody next to him, crying out on your behalf like a preacher like a family member like my mother saying spare him spare him one more year jesus give him one more chance maybe it will work this year it was my mother praying for me that after two attempts at being killed one from a gun and one from overdosing on drugs that jesus said i'll give him another chance and it's people that pray for others that give them another chance before god comes I think about the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis when he pleaded with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. God was going to destroy the whole place. And then Abraham knew that his his nephew Lot lived there. And he said, God, don't destroy it for 50 righteous people. And God said, I'll spare Sodom and Gomorrah for 50. And then he whittled it down to 40, to 30, to 20, to 10. God made a covenant with Abraham that said, for 10 righteous people, I won't destroy that land. I mean, how hard would it be? Lot, his wife, his daughters, their husbands, these men. I mean, he could surely find ten. Yet when the angels came there to judge that land, they couldn't even find ten. And then when Lot's wife, she turns around, she turns to a pillar of salt. Now he just has two daughters left. They got him drunk two nights in a row and raped their own father to be impregnated by his seed. There was only one righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. My friends, God is not playing with judgment. But God will also hear the prayers and the cries of his people. That is what that parable is telling us. He will judge us, but he will also have mercy on us. Habakkuk cried out, Lord, in the time of your wrath, remember mercy. Revive your work, O God. We need to believe that God can revive his work in this land and that God can revive his work around the nations. You look at the Greek word repent, it is metamosoi. It means denoting a change or place in condition. Theologically, it involves regret or sorrow accompanied by a true change of heart towards God. Metamoso, what does it mean? It involves regret, sorrow accompanied by a true change of heart towards God. The English word repent comes from penance. You're going in one direction, you realize you've sinned, you become sorrowful, penitent of what you have done. Re, where we get rewind, return, you then turn away from that wicked thing that you are sorry for and you live out a life of righteousness. That is biblical repentance. And he is saying, do it or perish. That's what God said. That's not what your preacher said. That's what God said. Now you want to see this message throughout the Bible? Somebody say, preach it. See, repentance is still good news to a sinner. Let's look at John the Baptist. Go to Luke chapter 3. You know, sometimes people make fun of John the Baptist. They say, well, I'm no John the Baptist. You better be. You better be like John the Baptist. Do you know that Jesus' favorite preacher was John the Baptist? Are you all listening to me today? You want to know who Jesus' favorite preacher was? It was John the Baptist. He said, no greater man will you find, no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. 
He said, when you went out to those deserts, did you go see a man richly dressed in fine linen speaking nice words? No, you went out there to see a prophet of God. Jesus loved John the Baptist. You want to know what John the Baptist's message was? Look at Luke chapter 3. John said to the crowds, here they come. Here come the crowds. Here they come. Crowds coming out to be baptized by them. That means they actually want to be baptized. They're willing. Here come the crowds. You broad of vipers. Hold on, John. We're the church folk. Come on, you're not supposed to say that to us. You say that to the other guys. He said to the ones coming to get baptized, you brought a vipers who warns you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. But sounds like what Jesus was saying. Something about bearing some fruit or being cut down. Sounded like Jesus was preaching like his favorite preacher because it was all inspired by his father. Are you all listening? And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I go to Metro Praise. I'm a member of First Episcopal Church. Don't say you have something that you can put up before God. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can rise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's good preaching, John. That's the preaching for America today. Repent. God has his axe laid at your tree. Produce good fruit. Take God serious. I love John the Baptist. He was a man of passion. Why did he call them a brood of vipers? Why did he mock them and say, well, you're going to say I'm Abraham's children? You know why? Because in their mind, they thought repentance was going to be a cheap little confession and the dipping of water was going to be another little religious ceremony. And just by doing those things, they could wash their consciences clean and go back to the same life they lived. Let's get a little fire insurance. I know I'm not living right. I know I don't do things the way God told me to do. But I hear there's a preacher out there. All I got to do is confess, get baptized, and there it is. I can go to heaven now. And he said to them as they came, because he knew his heart, he said, you're a broad of vipers. You're little sneaky snakes because you think you're going to come here and play with God. Let your repentance be true and let it come forth with fruits of righteousness. If you're going to say you're sorry, then change. If you say you're sorry for sleeping in adultery, get married and stop committing adultery. If you're rebelling against your parents and you're repenting, then start obeying your parents. If you're greedy and you steal from God, repent and give your tithe and give your offering. If you are running from God in your prayer life, get on your knees and establish it with God. Because here we go to verse 10. They shout out to him, what should we do then? The crowd asked. Well, that's something you want to ask a preacher, isn't it? Yeah, ask a preacher what you got to do to make it right, amen? We'll just sit down with you for a little bit. You smoke, cuss, or chew, or hang with those who do? God, get rid of that. You're looking at BigHooters.com. You're looking at porno. Husband, you're disrespecting your wife, children. You're disobeying your parents. We'll make it real plain. The commandments are not suggestions, and they're not metaphorical. Thou shalt not. What don't you get? Follow God's commands. What should we do then, John said? I'm so glad you asked. The man who has two tunics should share with the one who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. You're dealing with greed, start giving your stuff away. 
tax collectors, let me talk to you. He said, tax collectors, you want to be baptized? And they say, teacher, what should we do? Let me tell you, stop collecting any more money than is required. Stop stealing. Somebody else comes and says, well, we're soldiers. We're in this Roman army. What should we do, John? Don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Repentance means to change, to change your heart. Well, God will do it. Yes, God will do it. But he gave you a will. Do you want him to do it? Will you allow him to do it? Nobody made you put a cigarette in your hand, a remote to watch garbage on TV. Nobody made you say that. You did it all by yourself. Amen. Now you need to do the same thing for God. And the benefit is, he says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He'll make you a better Christian than the devil made you a sinner. Then some people want to say, I just can't help myself. Sometimes I just fall into sin. Like you just, you just happen to trip, huh? Just adultery, you just happen to trip in it, huh? A sex outside of, you know, greed, selfish ambition, bitter. You just happen, no, you didn't. You didn't just happen to slip and fall. You woke up that morning, put on your Speedos. You got out your swimming cap. You put on your goggles. You climbed up to the 30-foot high dive, and you dove right into your sin. You and I, we choose our sin. We know just how we like it. We know just how to do it to get the most pleasure out of it. Stop making excuses for sin and repent of your sin. Otherwise, you will perish. Put me on Larry King tonight. Come on. I want, I want the world to hear this. I don't know why preachers can't say it anymore. It's the message of Jesus on 9-11. Let me go to the, to the universal prayer at Washington, D.C. and get the mic. Come on, somebody. Instead of these, you know, fluff and puff pastors, their words are nothing. They drip like honey, but, they're, but they're, they are meaningless, you know, itching, tickling ears. We need a John the Baptist again. We need people to preach like Jesus again. Let's look at Jesus' message, Matthew 4, 17. We know that Jesus told us repent or perish at that time. But did Jesus keep preaching that message? Let's see what Matthew 4, 17 says. And remember, it's the good pastor. It's the good shepherd that tells you to repent. It's the one who loves you. Okay, let me ask you a question. When you're lost and, and somebody tells you, let's say you're going this way down, you know, Irving Park, headed towards the lake, headed towards downtown, and you say, I want to go to Wisconsin. And they say, well, you know, you're already halfway towards the lake, so I'm just going to lie to you. And they, and they say to themselves, just go another five miles, and you're going to hit old Wisconsin. You're going to be right there. They don't want to, you don't want to take your extra time. They don't want you to be disappointed you've been going the wrong way. Is that your friend? No, because when you drive five miles and you hit the lake, you're going to realize you're even further from Wisconsin. It's your friend that's going to say, hey, you're going the wrong way. Do a U-turn. Repent and go back that way. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer. You're going to have to put some more gas in the car. May not be as comfortable as you thought. May not get there on time. But I'll tell you, you're going the wrong way. That's what godly preachers do. Thank you for showing up at a good church this morning. Amen. Look at what Jesus talked about, Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Is that what Jesus, help them on the screen or they might think I'm lying. They don't got their butt. 
Matthew 4:17. Do we see the theme song of Barney here? From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Say with me, one, two, three. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn around because Wisconsin is nearer to you. Stop wasting your money having savings. It's nearer to you. Anybody that tells you the right road, even if it's a longer road, a tougher road, is your friend. Jesus loved you enough to tell you you could change. You see, repentance is good news for a sinner. What if I told you right now, if you just cut up your credit card and said you're sorry for all the spending, Visa would forgive you of your debt right now. How many of you would want to repent real quick? You would be repenting faster than anybody could get you to. You'd be running up here. I'm sorry, Visa. Forgive me. You'd cut it up and then $8,000 gone just like that. You see, people who don't like repentance, they think it's angry. They think it's being mean. There are people who still like to sin. Stop sinning and you'll love the word repentance. Because what repentance means is I get another chance. I don't have to keep making the stupid mistakes that I've done over and over and over again. I don't have to be this way. I get to change. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. When it says in the Greek, new creation, it literally means an original made on the spot. When I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, November 5th, 1995, God made a new Joe Irostic that had never existed up until that point. Brand spanking new. So many times we look at salvation as God is always trying to make your dirty cup clean. Your heart is like this cup and it's so dirty. And ever since you've been saved, oh Jesus, he's just taking a pickaxe to it and he's just drilling away. That is not salvation. Salvation says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a willing spirit within me. When you get saved, you're made perfect and whole on the inside, friend. You're not saved part way. You're saved all the way. Your cup is clean. Go and sin no more. And it's there when you have that dirty cup. When your heart's been cleansed, when you sin, you feel the conviction. Oh, before you had to cuss and beat somebody up before you felt bad. Now just thinking an angry thought, you get convicted right away because your heart is so clean. White carpet shows the littlest stain. You're made as white as snow. That's why before you could lust and talk perverted, fellas, but now just taking a second look at a magazine rack, your heart is convicted because God is saying, keep a clean heart. He's not trying to make a dirty heart clean. He's already cleansed you with his blood. The blood is the greatest cleansing for the heart. No other fount I know except the blood of Jesus can wash me as white as snow. Come on, somebody. Jesus makes hearts clean. Salvation is a perfecting of you on the inside that's now being manifested on the outside. The, the evidence of your salvation is your transformation. The, the, the Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and on where it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is just being metamorphosed in the Greek, metamorphosized to understand what happened in your spirit because your spirit has been born again. And your mind is trying to keep up with it. That you are not who you used to be. So renew that mind from stinking thinking. Hallelujah. 
and begin to live out the word of God and say, I can keep these commandments. I, I can live a life without lusting after a woman. I can live without my temper taking and dominating my life. I can live without selfish ambition. Why? Because the spirit is within you. It's not that we do it on our own. It's just we choose to live by the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, those who are born of the Spirit should keep in step with the Spirit. He is your good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Just follow your shepherd. He'll give you the right thing to do on your job when you normally would lose your temper. Husbands and wives, he'll teach you how to have a godly home. He'll lead you in the path just like a plane. He'll put lights up. He'll tell you, don't go the other way. And he'll lead you in that path of righteousness for his namesake. Nobody wants you more righteous than Jesus Christ himself. The question is, will you and I allow him to keep his word in us? Or we, will we insult and defile him? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 says, If we go on willfully sinning after having received the knowledge of the truth, there is therefore no more sacrifice of sins, but only a certain terrifying judgment of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. God is saying, if you know better, then you need to stop and ask for help. Because the one who says, I'm just going to do this loosey-goosey and, and act like God's grace is that uh, rag we keep in the garage, that it's filthy and dirty, not precious at all. And whenever we get our hands dirty, we don't care very much because we can just wipe it on the rag. We don't mind the rag. We insult the rag. We could care less. And so sinners get this understanding. Well, I can be forgiven. I'll just ask the Lord to forgive me. I'll still live in adultery. I'll still have a vile mouth. I'll still affirm blasphemy and, and debauchery and my movies and entertainment because I'll just come to the blood of Jesus. The Bible says do not insult the spirit of grace. Do not trample on the blood of Jesus. If you have been truly forgiven by the blood, the crimson flow of Jesus' side, then live a transformed life because that is your way of saying thank you for what he did 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, let's look at what Paul preached, Acts chapter 26, verse 19. Paul preached this message just like John the Baptist, just like Jesus, and just like how we are today by God's grace. Acts chapter 26, verse 19. He was captured by the Roman government. King Agrippa was his master, his slave master, took him and put him in prison. His, uh, King Agrippa had Paul's life in his hand. Paul, by the way, was a convert from Judaism, wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, and eventually was beheaded. But here he's under the rule of this king. They've captured him as a prisoner, and now he's going to explain himself to this king. Oh, the God that we would say this to our president and all the rulers of this land. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, that's where he was from. Then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the Gentiles. That's non-Jewish people. This is what he preached. What did Paul preach? I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. So what does a good preacher tell you? He says, repent, turn to God. You're sorry for your sin. You know you ought not to. You feel guilt. 
You feel a conviction that you're living wrong? Well, repent. Ask God for his forgiveness. You're sinning? God, I'm sorry. Penance has filled my heart. My guilty conscience is stricken within me. Then turn to God. God, I want to be with you. I want to live for you. And now prove your repentance by the deeds that follow. Bible calls this good fruit. Pastor, do we stumble along the way? Yes. The Bible says, though a righteous man stumbles seven times, he'll get back up. There's a difference between a Christian sinning and having a repentant, pentiful heart or somebody who is sinning just because they know they can be forgiven to sin again. How many know the difference? How many know the difference when you're really sorry and there's change that comes in your behavior and you're not so sorry, but you just want to get off the hook? We all know the difference. We experience in everyday relationships. Do I think marriages that have had adultery can be restored? Sure. But not while the bozo's still living with the woman. Honey, I just want you to forgive me. But I'm going home tonight with, with this woman. How does the repentance show? Would a, would a woman do that? Would a woman take back that husband? Sure, I believe you're sorry. No, there's no true change. Do I believe that teenagers can can make mistakes in life and, and be forgiven? That's right, yes. Teenagers, your parents say you're hanging out with the wrong, the wrong people. You say you're sorry. But that's not when you got the text message in your pocket. Are we still hanging out tonight? And you're like, yeah, just give me five minutes to work this out with my, my, my parents. See, true repentance, young people, is when you delete their numbers off the textbook, you, you, your phone, you block them from Facebook, and then you tell them, I'm not hanging out with you to be obedient to my parents. And if they don't get that, just tell them stupid is as stupid does, okay? And just tell them you ain't hanging out with stupid anymore, amen? And until they get the stupid out of them, you're going to follow Jesus. You see, I think in our hearts, we think it's easier to sin than it is to follow God, and I don't agree with that. I believe that people who choose righteousness, that can become an easier load. The Bible says he carries that load for you. It becomes a better habit. I'm not saying I'm perfect in all that I do, but I can say today that I have learned through 15 years of walking with Christ of what it means to be truly sorrowful for sin, to truly change. And I can see throughout the, the years of my life how there were things that I used to tolerate that once God put his spotlight on those things, those attitudes, that, that haughtiness, that pride. For me, selfish ambition was such a big thing to not see in myself. But once God used mentors and leaders to point it out to me, I can see a different person. Because God is showing me who he made me to be. And my friends, today's message to us is that message of repentance. We should look at these tragedies and we should pray for the families and we should pray for mercy upon our nation and we should pray for the responders, the military. All of that is right and good and we should do that. And I will be one of the first to be in line to do that. But at the same time, we need to do what Jesus did and take the opportunity and to remind ourselves and each other about a holy God one day that's going to judge us and has his acts right now by our tree and so we should live right and we should say God I choose today to keep your commandments Jesus said if you love me you will keep my commandments 
In closing, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. How many love the good preaching today? Can you say amen? Amen. Come back next week. We'll encourage you. We'll love you. We'll tell you how awesome you are. We really will. We do that here. It's okay. But today you need this on your you need this on the spiritual diet. Amen. We're not going to just give you Twinkies all the time. Come on. Amen. How many like Twinkies though or you know cupcakes or some of these That's okay. That's all right. Sometimes you just need somebody to tell you how awesome you are, you know? Just tell you how much you know how proud they are of you that you showed up on Sunday. And how happy they are that you got your Bible and notebook. I mean, we need to hear that, don't we? We need to be that little lamb that sometimes Jesus just holds in his arms and just cuddles. But today's not that day. (laughs) So if you're a visitor and you can go through this message and you, trust me, those days will come. But this day, I want to make sure you're going to heaven. I want to make sure you get there. Amen. And, And the doctor who lies to you about your cancer isn't your friend. You could go to the doctor and you could say, Doctor, I've been having something just hurt me right up in here. And he could just push on it and he'll know by his experience you got some, you know, pancreas problems or kidney problems. You got, you, you got an ulcer there, I can tell. But he'll say, you know, I don't want to ruin your day. I, wanna, I want you to buy my book, you know, Seven Ways to Love Coming to the Doctor. So I, don't, I want you to buy the book and I don't want you to be mad. I'm just going to tell you you got a little tummy ache. Here's some Tums. Just go home, take a few, you'll feel better. How many know when you're bleeding out through, you know, where, and you're not feeling good anymore and you're passed out on the floor, how many know you're going to be upset with that doctor? And then when they operate on you and cut you open and they say you've had this in your body for 16 months and you're going to know you went to the doctor six months ago, how many know you're taking that dude to court, suing him for malpractice? All these preachers want to tell you you're okay. All you have to do is drop a little, little, you know, just a little coin right here. Put a little honey in the bucket for the little pastor, and he'll tell you how sweet and cuddly you are. And there's a little agreement. You don't mess with him. He won't mess with you. He'll get you out enough time to, to beat the lines to the restaurants today. You know, you'll make, you'll make good time to the buffet or wherever you're going. And, and there's this idea, well, I feel good at this church. I feel I'm okay. You know, I live in sin, but I'm okay. That church makes me feel bad. But one day you're going to get to heaven and you're going to look at that charlatan that all he did was take your money and give you a little place for an Easter cantata and a Christmas play and made your children feel all good about the crafts they did. You're going to look at him one day and you're going to say, I'm so angry with you. You lied to me. But then you go to the doctor and the doctor don't have to be angry with you. He doesn't have to go, you got cancer and you're going to die. It's going to be miserable. We're not trying to be doctor angry. We're not just, I'm not just coming up here today. You're going to hell. Everybody's going to hell. Everybody go hell. (laughs) We're not doctor angry. Just, you know, you're going to hell. Why did you slap me? I just wanted to slap you and tell you you're going to hell. Do you get it now? You see, we don't want doctor feel good. And we don't want doctor angry. We want Dr. Truth. And Dr. Truth is going to do the exam in gentleness and in love. Amen. Gentleness and with a little passion. And he's going to tell you in his expertise, you've got cancer. But he's not going to let you freak out. He's not going to let you just walk out there crazy. He's going to say, I got some good news. There's treatments for this. 
There's some diets you can go on. There's some medicine that you can take. There's some therapy for you, and you'll get better. It won't happen overnight, but this process will change you. Now, I thank God for preachers that preach like Dr. Truth. They tell us the way a T.I. is, the way it is, and then tell us the way out. Amen. And the good thing about Jesus is healing and salvation comes right now. Everybody go, ahora, ahora, in Jesus' name. I'm trying to speak Spanish. Look at this last scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. I love John. Let's just read the passage since it's up there. Verse 7. This is the same John that told us God is love. The same John that gave us John 3.16. The same one who laid his head on Jesus' chest and heard his heartbeat was told intimate secrets by Jesus and was promised to take care of Mary, which was an honor because Jesus wasn't going to be there anymore and he was there at the cross. This Jesus, John loved Jesus. This is a very special disciple here. Listen to what he says. Dear children... Don't let anyone lead you astray. See, John cared about his people. Does that sound like a pastor you know? You know anybody that cares about you? That calls you children? <laughs> niños and niñas. Dear children, don't let anybody lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. How many just got blessed by Sunday School 101 right now? How many just want to go home and teach this to their children right now? Boys and girls, listen, you already, come on. You do what's righteous, you're righteous because God is righteous. You do what's bad and evil like the devil. You're sinful because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. You got it, Bethany? Yes, Daddy. Awesome. That's it. It's so simple. Why don't we get it? I don't know, but keep going. Now listen, the reason the Son of God appeared, why did He come? To give us a house and a boat and a new pony? No, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He came to destroy it, obliterate it, tear it into a million pieces. And what is the devil's work? Having God's creation live in sin. Your sin, the propensity to sin, your sinful nature, the penalty, presence, and power of sin has been destroyed by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! We have a Savior who says holy and totally and he will accomplish his work in us. Amen. Oh, look at verse 9 as we're amen and hallelujah. The devil's work's been defeated. I believe it. Now look at verse 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. You know, in the King James, it used to just say, you cannot sin. And a lot of people got messed up with this. And they're like, well, I, I must not be saved because I, I can sin pretty easily right now. You know, the idea was lost in the translation. The Greek is a continuing form. You cannot sin and keep on sinning. You just can't. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have ever gotten a fight with their husband or wife and you made it about four steps out the room or up the stairs? Oh, you, know, you got convicted. Oh, man. I was wrong. It was all my fault. I shouldn't have said that. That is so how my life is. I'm telling you. 
I used to scream, throw hissy fits with my parents. I can't even like yell with my wife like more than two minutes and I'm convicted, little tears coming down my eyes because I can't go on sinning. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are born of God, the seed there is the word of God with the spirit of God. You just feel convicted. That's a good thing. Amen. It says you cannot go on sinning because you've been born of God. Now, verse 10, here we go, children. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. How many are glad you can know the difference now? Amen. Look at your neighbors. See if you can tell who they are. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. I can just hear somebody's. Don't, don't you even try right now, mister. This is how we know. Thank you, John. I've been so wanting to know who the children of God are and the children of the devil. I'm so happy because anyone who does what is right is a child of God. Who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So we're going to love God by keeping his commandments, and we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. And we're going to remember that on September 11th, just like how Jesus reminded us, repent or perish. Hallelujah. Let's stand up to our feet and give the King of kings, the Lord of lords, a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for the cross. Band, would you come, please? Gracias, Señor, for the cruise. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Would you just look up at me before we close out today? The opposite of conviction is condemnation. Uh, we don't believe in condemnation. We believe in conviction. The difference is, is condemnation says you'll never get any better. God doesn't love you the way you are, and you might as well stop trying. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation makes you want to quit and to turn your back on God. Conviction says, I'm going to get up and try again. I'm going to get up and fight again. In just a moment, we're going to do announcements and offerings. Please don't leave. And would you honor the church by still giving and all and then hearing the announcements? The only reason why I didn't want to do it before is because I just felt the spirit leading. But I want you to hear my heart today that, that God is saying to us as a good thing, if there's sin, repent. And those of you who are already Christians and you're like, man, I got it down. I think, I, you know, when I sin, I repent. Understand that that's a good thing. And don't ever let the devil twist condemnation into conviction because sometimes then you'll feel like Jesus is your, you know, like your slave master. And he's always telling you, you're never good enough. You're never good. No, what Jesus is doing is showing you how to live like him. Man, would you guys just begin to play, please? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that today you're going to help us to repent of our sins and transform our lives. We ask, God, from starting with me, the pastor, to a visitor that may have just come today and maybe church is uh, different for them. They're not even used to it. God, I pray for everybody here that you'll search our hearts, oh God. And God, show us if there's any wicked way inside of us. As I begin to pray, I'm going to ask the band to sing. And if that's you, we're not going to have any altar workers today. We're just going to ask you to come to the front, find a place on your knees as a sign of humility, and just ask God to change you. As I begin to pray, you can begin to come even right now. Lord, start in us right now. God, help us to repent of those things in our lives that displease you, Lord. Those things, Father, that we have done, that, Lord, you have said a sin. 
Convict us, God, so that our sins can be forgiven today. If that's you, would you just come? Just come to your knees today because God is able to forgive. Repentance is an easy prayer. It's just, Lord, forgive me. And name what you want to be forgiven of. He loves you. And no one here is judging you. The axe is laid at the tree, God says. And I'm praying for God to spare you so you can live for him. Now I'm going to ask as we're singing, if there's those of you here and you would say, Pastor, I want to pray for others that they would repent. Would you join us on your knees? And would you pray for either a family member, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father, that God will soften their heart? Just like in that parable, that God will use you to fertilize their heart today, to give them another chance. Would you come even right now as we're singing out about the power of Jesus? Let us intercede for our friends and family, co-workers, this nation. Come on, just keep praying. Those of you who are receiving forgiveness, just begin to thank Him. Profess your love for God. He loves you so much. You can even sing this song over your life. Every chain is being broken. Those interceding, believe it today. Confess that God will give you the nations. God will give you your family. They will be saved. We pray for an awakening in this land. Sons and daughters to be saved. Co-workers come to know the Lord. Neighbors, we call you to come to Jesus. Oh, there is so much power for the gay and lesbian community. Come to Jesus. For those from different religions, come to Jesus. Hallelujah. For corruptness in government, come to Jesus. Let purity come to our land. Jesus, break the chains of addiction. Break the chains of abuse and violence from off of our streets, oh God. Let this land be spared, oh God. Come on, just sing it out together. Break. Break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, Jesus. Break every chain. Every chain of sin. Every chain of wickedness. Break every chain. Oh, God, won't you break it? Won't you break it? Start in me. Oh, 
break every chain break there is power see it out there is power yes there is come on just say his name Jesus in the name of Jesus there is so much power in the name of Jesus break every chain if you can would you just stand and place your hand over your heart come on just place your hand over your heart today and let us say a prayer together if you can prayer from a righteous man named David who knew how to pray prayers of repentance he was a man after God's own heart and God forgave him of some of the worst sins we could imagine even though no sin is greater than the other but God forgave David because he had the heart of repentance a heart of change Sometimes people ask me, they say, how is it fair for somebody to live a good life, their whole life, and yet not know Jesus, like maybe a Mother Teresa, a Gandhi? How is it they could go to hell and they did good things, but if all a bad person did like Hitler is just confess their sins before they die, they could go to heaven? And the reason is, is because we don't understand sin and the guilt that every person carries on their soul. Remember, my friends, Adam and Eve did not murder children and sacrifice babies to get kicked out of the garden. They disobeyed God and ate from a tree. That's all they did. God does not look at sin the way we do. Sin is the opposite of obedience to God. And when we are disobedient, it is all wickedness to Him. And haven't we all been wicked? And so for any sinner to be forgiven, it is a miracle of God's grace. Any sinner. Because all sins have weighted every soul down. And as Jonathan Edwards said, that our sin has weighed us down and that God holds us by a strand like a spider web over the very pits of hell. And it's His grace that allows us to call out for mercy because until then, He holds us there and at His time, if that sinner does not repent, he will shatter that thread and they will perish forever. So my friends, be thankful today. You hear a message of repentance that you can confess Jesus as Lord. Otherwise, you will fall into the hands of an angry God. And it is a terrifying thing. But with your hand over your heart, say this prayer from David, Psalms 51. Everybody say this with me. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my sins, wash away all my sins, and cleanse me from my iniquities. Come on, say, surely at birth I was sinful, but today, Jesus, cleanse me with your blood, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Come on, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
and grant me a willing spirit. Oh, come on, let that prayer just set in your soul right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We leave a new person, not the same the way we came in. We are transformed, and we thank you for it. If you have been transformed by Jesus, can you bless him in this house today? Hallelujah. Can you just make your way back to your seat as you do slap somebody high five and say, I know I've been changed. Amen. Amen. I just want to give you a few announcements today as we prepare to uh, close out in service. We'll also do tithes and offerings if they could come as well. I've just been so touched by God. That's why I just, I don't even want to stop for announcements. Does everybody understand that? Do y'all appreciate that? So I just figure after God has did his work, we'll just do our announcements. But every Sunday we meet at 9 and 11. And uh, this Tuesday at Wicker Park, we're starting a new campus. Tuesday at 7 o'clock, amen. Woo-woo. Taking land for Jesus. Boom shakalaka. Go to the website. Learn more about that. We don't want everybody here to transfer over there. But if you want to come and visit, that's great. But we've handed out uh, 10,000 flyers, 4,000 door hangers, a whole bunch of Google stuff, Internet stuff. And then for our first series, Who is Jesus? We're sending out 5,000 mailers to the community. Just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All in Wicker Park. Chopin Theater, it's an acting theater. And we're already meeting movie stars and famous people and non-famous people but you know what I'm saying? we're just meeting a whole bunch of people out there that need Jesus that normally don't get Jesus and they look at us like how did you show up here and I'm like it's nothing but God baby because you know what I'm saying I mean the fact that we're in a theater that I mean just it's only God we could be there so just show up pray for us if you can just you know believe God for great things and I think it's going to be cool one day because maybe you'll be at the grocery store and you'll just be like oh you love Jesus yeah I love Jesus where church do you go to well, I go to Metro Praise oh really why go to Metro Place? Which one? I go to Wicker Park. Why go to Irving Park? Why go to Rogers Park? Why go to the one by the It's going to be exciting. Amen. And then somebody be like, Que paso? I go to the one in Mexico. I go to the one in Puerto Rico. Where would somebody else go? No, we, where would you go? Which one? To the one on the south side? <laughs> As my face turns red, let's just sit into that moment of embarrassment. The the brother comes, he sings. All the white people up there, he just wants to fit in. And now I have just ruined it. I have just ruined it. Forgive me. Okay, let's stand to our feet and pretend that didn't happen. (laughs) Thank you reconciliation happening up here oh thank you lord elevate there we go elevate you service every friday night wednesday we have church here as well children's ministry for uh young adults and children impact boy scouts and girl scouts royal rangers impact is uh here every week we want you to be a part of it our vision is loving god loving people come on look at god and just say i love you god i know you're looking to the ceiling but just say like you mean say i love you god and then I look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Does anybody know where the Shire is? The Shire? Because that's another one that I say, but I'm not going to say it. just want to know if anybody knows where the Shire is. Okay, only about four people. That's why I don't say that one. Okay, you know where the Shire is. The Shire is the Hobbit people. Just anyways. Uh, connect, mentor, send. So I made it worse. Connect, mentor, send 
is our vision. And when you connect to the church, we take you through these books and we treat you like family. We make fun of you on stage and we do that because we love you. Amen. Turn off his microphone, by the way. Um, Does anybody like life groups in the house? Come on. Join a life group because you get life at the life group. You'll go through a book right here. It's lots of fun. And then uh, we go through a mentoring stage. Is anybody into 201 here today? Amen. Praise God. And then we send you out to change the world. It's all in the back at our VIP, okay? So we want to do this for 100,000 souls, 50 churches here, and 500 around the world. We got two in Chicago, 48 more left to go, 200 around the world, so 300 more to go. We're making some traction, amen? And uh, we just want to do that together. And now we're just going to receive tithes and offerings. Let's do that. Father, we thank you today for bringing us all together. I pray you bless us. I pray that you just help us, God, in this economic hardship. Bless us, God, and give back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Help our jobs to increase, employment to increase, educational opportunities. And, Lord, bless those things that we have, that we can pay for them and provide for our children and our children's children. And, Lord, be with our missionaries as they're across the land, suffering persecution and economic troubles, God. Protect them and be with our soldiers as well that protect our freedom, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's say it on the count of three. What Paul said, one, two, three, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing? God bless you. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Higher than and higher than the mountains that I face.